Hello again. Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on Sunday, November 18th, 2012. Today's message is A Life of Prayer by Pastor Ryan Cochran, based on James chapter 5, verses 13 through 20. Today, we have a service of baptism. pray together. God in heaven, we thank you for this song that we just sang. Lord, a reminder of the friendship that we can have with you. Lord, we also confess today that the words of this song Uh, often aren't true for us. Lord, often we are discouraged. Often we're disappointed and we feel like you're far away. And so, Lord, we thank you for the promise of your friendship and pray, God, as we come to your word today that you would meet us in our place of need, Lord, in our place of questions, and Lord, that you would speak. We ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So we are finishing today with our, our time in the, in the book of James. James, uh, as a letter, is a book that calls us to action. And James, throughout this letter, has been calling us to live out our faith in, in very practical ways. Uh, James has reminded us that uh, if uh, that our faith and our, our action cannot be separated. Not that they should not be separated, but they cannot be separated. If we have faith in Christ, that will show up in our actions. And this letter that we've been looking at is written as a series of instructions about what it means to live out our faith, what it means to act out our faith in our day-to-day lives. And so this morning, what we're going to do is to to give a brief review of just a few of the topics that that James has spoken to us about over the last couple of months. And then, for the majority of this sermon, we'll look at the most important topic of faithful living, which is prayer. Prayer is the first and central act of faith, and James saves it for the last. He, He saves the best for last as he talks about prayer. One of the topics that we have looked at throughout the book of James is this topic of suffering. Uh, Each of us in our life will experience suffering, and as believers, we need to know how we're going to respond to it in our lives. How do we live out our faith as we go through suffering? And what we've heard from James is that God uses the suffering in our life to bring about maturity. That is what James says about suffering. It is through suffering that God develops perseverance in us. And as we've been saying in our confession of faith at the end of every service over the last couple of months, that this perseverance must finish its work so that we can be brought to maturity. Now there's much that can be said about suffering. Uh, debates about why God allows it to happen. Certainly all of us have questions as we're in the middle of suffering about why this is happening All of those things are good questions, and James does not answer all of those questions. 
James doesn't say everything that can be or should be said about suffering. But James tells us this about suffering. That if we will allow him, God will use it to bring us to maturity in Christ. Suffering in this life has a way of reminding us that this life is temporary. That this life is never going to satisfy the longings of our hearts. The disappointments that we feel when we go through suffering or when our our friends go through suffering uh, just points us to uh, the, the fact that this life isn't all that there is. There's this holy longing in our life when we go through suffering, when we know that this can't be what life is all about. This can't be the end and the purpose. And so when we go through suffering or when we are in disappointment as we watch our friends go through suffering, we're reminded that this isn't all that there is. Suffering in our life enables God to move us away from getting comfortable and safe and secure here in this life and thinking that this is as good as it gets. It points us beyond this life and points us into eternity. And so throughout this letter, James has called us to look through our sufferings to the purpose that God has in them. When you're going through a painful trial, maybe some of you are going through one right now, it's not always to hear God just wants to bring about maturity in you. Sometimes that's not a comforting thought. It's not always the solution that we want, but that is the calling, that is the hope that we receive from James's words. In our suffering, God is active. This is the eternal perspective that James, is in, James invites us to have. In our suffering, God is bringing about maturity in us. In addition to suffering, James has talked a lot about our words or the way that we use our tongues. And James has a very negative view of our tongues, doesn't he? He knows how dangerous they can be. He knows how much damage our tongues can do to our community. And so he tells us that the words that we use should be simple and they should be few. Last last week we heard him tell us that to make our yes, yes, and our no, no. Our words should be few. When we speak, James, throughout this letter, reminds us that we should be careful. Our words have great power over the lives of others. They have power to direct the course of people's lives. Be careful with your words. Be careful with your words. James has also talked to us about money and time and other gifts that God has given to us. The gifts of money and time are especially important for us to pay attention to, according to James. Because we're tempted to use our time and our money in order to gain control of our life. In order to be more secure, to be more comfortable in this life. But James, as he's talking about time and money, points us to the shortness of our life. Our life is but a breath, here today and gone tomorrow. So do not presume that you own your time. Don't presume that your time is just your own to use the way that you want. Pay attention to the shortness of your life. Pay attention. With regard to our money, James tells us that this world and its wealth are going to come under judgment. And the way that we use our money will also come under judgment. 
And if we have used our money for ourselves to invest in temporary things to make us more safe and secure in this life, then our money will testify against us. And the money will be a curse rather than the blessing that it's intended to be. Time in our money. James has called us to be careful about how we use our time in our money. If we say we believe in Jesus, James says, then show it. If you say that Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, that you are his servant, great. What does that look like in your life? Does the way that you speak show that you're a follower of Jesus? Does the way that you use your time and your money show that you are a follower of Jesus? Does the way that you receive and walk through suffering, does it show your faith? These are the questions that James asks of us. He holds up a mirror to our life and asks if our life reflects the faith that we claim to have. And then at the end of his letter, James turns to the topic of prayer. Prayer is our primary action of faith. If we want to put our faith in action, we will be people of prayer to kneel down and to pray, to to speak out words to God who we, we cannot see with our eyes, and to ask him to act is the primary way, the first way that we are to act out our faith. All of these other things that we're called to do follow from a life of prayer. Many of us find this prayer thing difficult, don't we? I was I was looking back through some of my sermons that I've preached on prayer over the years, and uh, a couple of years ago, I preached a sermon titled, Prayer is Simple, But It Is Not Easy. I was clever back then. Uh, Prayer is simple, but it is not easy. It is a really simple thing. Any person can do it. A child, an adult, old or young, anyone and everyone can pray. It is a simple thing. It's not complicated. It is is simply speaking to God about the concerns that are on our hearts. Prayer is simple, but it is not easy. At least that's been my experience. Has it been your experience? That prayer may be simple, but it's not easy. It certainly has been the experience of anyone who I've spoken to who has the intention, who has the desire to live a life of persistent and consistent prayer, I hear from them over and over again that it is not easy. It's difficult. We battle with the flesh. It's an act of faith. We're we're speaking out words to God who we cannot see with our eyes. Sometimes we do not immediately see the fruit of our prayers. It is difficult to pray. It is simple, but it is not easy. And James finishes his letter, this letter about living out our faith, about putting our faith into action. He finishes it with prayer because it is the first act of faith and it's where all the other actions of faith come from. And so for the rest of this time this morning, we're going to talk about this important act of faith called prayer. What I want to do today is to begin by reminding you of the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is this to live our lives in communion with God, to have fellowship with God, to live in relationship with God. That is the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is not 
to get God to do things that you want or to receive things from God that you want. The purpose of prayer is not that we would be perceived by others around us as spiritual heroes. And that's what James, uh, Jesus uh, condemned the Pharisees for, is that their prayers were said on the corner and at the marketplace where everyone could hear them so that they would look like spiritual heroes. And I think if we're honest, some of us may fall into that temptation sometimes, especially those of us like me who often have to pray publicly often. The purpose of prayer is not to be a spiritual hero. The purpose of prayer is not to get God to do things for us. Of course, through prayer, God does do things through us. Of course, through prayer, sometimes we do get to be, if you would want to say, a spiritual hero, as, as God would use our prayers in some way to act in an amazing way. One of the results or the outcomes of prayer is that God does act, that he does do things for us as we ask for them. But these things are not the primary purpose of prayer. And if we make them the primary purpose of prayer, we will be disappointed in prayer. Because sometimes things don't happen like we want them to. Sometimes our prayers aren't answered in the way that we want them to. The primary purpose of prayer is to bring us into communion, into fellowship, into relationship with God. Do you remember who we said James was at the very beginning of our time in James? James was the brother of Jesus. As a boy, he, he grew up in the same house as Jesus. He was a man who maybe knew Jesus better than anyone else. But James didn't recognize who Jesus was. In fact, we see in the Gospels that throughout Jesus' ministry, James and the rest of his family thought Jesus had gone crazy. James and the rest of his family were concerned that Jesus was going to get himself killed. And so James and his family would come and say, Jesus, stop acting like this. Come away. And they tried to, they tried to stop him in his ministry. James did not recognize who his brother was. He did not recognize that his whole life, living in the life of his home with Mary and Joseph, that his whole life was lived in the presence of the Son of God. James never saw it. He never saw it. Until the end of his life and after the resurrection. And I think that if James were here with us this morning, if he were standing behind this pulpit this morning preaching these words to us, that he would say to us that we would be sure to not make the same mistake that he did. Do not make the same mistake. Do not forget that your whole life is lived in the presence of the Son of God. Your whole life should be lived with an awareness that Jesus, the Son of God, is with you, calling you to overcome sin in your life, walking with you through suffering, transforming you into maturity through suffering, inviting you to join with him in whatever he is doing in the world and wants to do through you, and giving you the power to do it. And so these last words here of James is this reminder to live our lives with this awareness. No matter the circumstance, remember your life is lived in the presence of Christ, so pray. Do not make the same mistake I did, maybe James would say to us, in being blind to this. 
remember that you live your life in the presence of the Son of God. And so as he begins this passage about prayer, he begins this way. Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. Is any of you happy? Let him sing songs of praise. Is any of you sick? Call the elders of the church to pray. Are you in trouble? Pray. Are you happy? Pray. Are you sick? Get some people together with you and pray. Prayer is God's invitation to come and to be in relationship with him. This invitation to come and enjoy him as a friend to come and to share with him the burdens that you carry, to share with him the joys that you have, to come to him and to make requests of him because he is sovereign and Lord and he is able to do anything, to walk with him as a friend and to do together and to accomplish things together that you would not be able to accomplish on your own. Whatever circumstance you find yourself in, if you're in trouble, if you're happy, if you're sick, James says, pray. Your life is to be lived with an awareness of the presence of God, that at each moment, in any circumstance, you can and should pray, that you can come to God, that you can come and know him and enjoy him as your heavenly father and as your friend. This is the heart and purpose of prayer. Not to be a spiritual hero, not even to get what we want, The purpose of prayer is entering into a real relationship with God and bringing with him the requests that are on our heart because we know that he is able to do something about it. Are you in trouble? Invite God into the trouble. Speak with him about it. Are you happy? Well, what better time to share with a friend than when you are happy? Uh, Just yesterday, I I just, I don't know about you, but every time I see Adrian and Ian, I just get happy. I'm just excited for them. And I just told them, I just smile when I see you guys together. What better time to be in relationship with someone than when we're happy and we're experiencing a season of joy? Share your joy with him. Invite him into that joy. The purpose of prayer is to be in relationship with God. Sometimes we do, as I said, we we get to be spiritual heroes, if you want to call it that. God does work through us. He does act. Sometimes, uh, most of the time, I would say, we do get what we want when we pray. God does use, as James says, the prayer of a righteous person. God does use our prayers. But this is not the purpose. The purpose is to enjoy God, to have fellowship with him. And those other things, the way that God uses us through them, are a byproduct. They come out of that relationship. So as we read these next few verses, and as we seek to wrestle with uh, this calling to lay hands on on people and to heal them, we need to remember first the purpose of prayer. We need to remember first the purpose of prayer if we're going to understand these words. Verses 14 through 16. Is any of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. 
The prayer of the righteous man is powerful and effective. For many Christians, these three verses cause a great deal of anxiety. We don't know how to respond to the fact that sometimes when we lay hands on someone and pray for them that they are healed, and sometimes when we do, they're not. For some Christians, this creates anxiety in our hearts. It, it makes us doubt our own faith. It makes us doubt the truth of God's word. I mean, doesn't James say here plainly that if we pray in faith that the person will be made well? So if we pray and the sick person is not made well, where is the problem? Is it me? Was it my lack of faith? The lack of faith in the sick person? Or maybe the problem is with God. Maybe God can't heal. These are questions that we ask, right? Am I the only one? I think these are questions that we ask. There is a great deal of anxiety around prayer in the life of the church, and I think that a lot of that is because we forget that purpose. We get nervous when God doesn't answer our prayers in the way that we have prayed. And the reason we get nervous is because we forget the purpose of prayer, to bring us and to draw us into relationship with God. Prayer is about this relationship. And as God's friend, we come to him with requests. Not with demands, but with requests. Because we know that he is able to heal. We know that he is able to do whatever it is that he wants to do. Because we know that he can do whatever is best. He is sovereign and he is Lord. And so when we pray, we come to God with our concerns, our sincere requests. We give them to God and we leave God in his divine sovereign freedom to say yes or to say no. And if he says no, to come with to him again and again, like the widow who came to the judge. We know it's true in our prayer life that sometimes we do not get what we had in mind when we made a request. Making a request of God is not this mechanism where if we are able to summon up the right amount of faith and if we're able to say the right words in the right way, that somehow we harness God's power for ourselves. It's not what prayer is about. And so it is sometimes true that when we make requests of God, that in his divine freedom and wisdom, he says no. And I suggest to you that we should want it to be that way. In our humanity, we are finite. We are limited in knowledge, limited in power, limited in love. Because of that, we cannot always be given whatever we ask for. It would not be good for us. Instead, we come to a God who is infinite in knowledge, infinite in love, infinite in power, and in faith make requests of him. We ask him and speak with him about the things that concern us. And we persistently come to him and we ask him again and again if we need to. It is this persistent coming to God that according to Jesus is the great act of faith. The test of great faith is not that we get everything that we ever ask for in the way that we think that we should. The test of great faith is that we pray and not give up. That is the test of great faith, that we pray and not give up. It is true 
that when we make requests of God, we do not always get what we want. But I want to suggest to you today that most of the times we do. Most of the times we do get what we ask for. Most of the time in my home, when Gloria asks me for something, most of the time my answer is yes. Sometimes it needs to be no because I know what's best for her and she doesn't. But most of the times it is yes. And I found this to be true in my relationship with my Heavenly Father. Of course, I've prayed for some things, and sometimes I've prayed for them with a little bit of faith. Sometimes I've prayed for them with great faith, and they haven't always been answered in the way that I thought that they should be. But the truth is, most of the time when I have prayed and asked God for something, the answer has been yes. And I can really make myself frustrated. And I can get really upset because I can't figure out why one thing turned out one way and why one thing turned out another. Or I can remember the purpose of prayer. That in all of this, in whatever answer God gives me, in the yes or in the no, that God is calling me and drawing me into deeper relationship with him. I can get anxious. I can get frustrated because I can't answer the question of why James chapter 14 always doesn't line up with my experience, or I can keep praying in faith, knowing that God is drawing me into this relationship with him, and that through that, through that, many times he will do amazing things through our prayers. As I wrestled with verses 14 through 16 this week, what I really came to in my own life is that I very simply do not walk in obedience to this command. Nearly enough. And I began to wonder how many times I have missed an opportunity to walk in relationship with my friend who wanted to heal some, someone through me and I didn't take the action. That was my conviction this week as I read this that I just haven't walked in obedience to this enough. Sometimes my doubts and my questions, my anxieties about what it would say about me if it didn't work or what it would say about God if it didn't work as it should, often those things keep me from being obedient to this command. Are you sick? Get some people together and pray about it and see what God does. This is James's invitation to us when it comes to prayer. In James's life, he did not recognize, he was not aware that he was always living in the presence of the Son of God. And I think that we often make the same mistake. And he calls us to not be blind to the fact that the Son of God is present with you right now seeking to call you and draw you into relationship with him. And that in that relationship, he will sometimes lead you and give you opportunity to pray, and that through those prayers, will do amazing things in your life. But whatever God's answer is to those prayers, he is calling you to communion with him, to be with him, to grow in the knowledge of him. Do not be blind to the fact of Christ's presence with you at every moment. Are you in trouble? Pray. Are you happy? 
pray and give God praise. Are you sick? Get some people together who you trust, who you know are mature in the faith, and pray and see what God does. James's calling throughout his book is to live a life of faith, to make sure that your actions in every way, in your suffering, in your speech, in your response to, uh, to other people who come your way, in response to the gifts that God has given to you, and especially in prayer, James is calling us to act out our faith. Let's pray together. God in heaven, we thank you for this gift that you have given to us of prayer. That in prayer you invite us uh, into a relationship with you, our Heavenly Father, with you who, Lord, call us your friend. And so, Lord, we, we ask that we would be faithful, that we would act out our faith in our lives through prayer. And that through this, that you would teach us all of the things that we need to know about how to pray in ways that are powerful and effective. Lord, that you would teach us, as James says, in our relationships with one another, to remove the barriers maybe of sin that need to be confessed that keep us from seeing our prayers being effective. Lord, as we daily live a faithful life of prayer, teach us what it means to pray. Lord, as your disciples asked you, Lord, teach us to pray. So, Lord, that's our, our prayer today as we, as we finish our time together. Lord, teach us to pray. Amen.